0: Space radio. Roger, restart. Three, two, one, mark. It's now time for the space revolution with Rick Tomlinson.
1: Hey there, spacers! Welcome to another episode of the space revolution. My name is Rick Tomlinson. Um, you can follow me at Rocket Rick on Twitter. And this is iRock Space Radio. We're part of the iHeart Radio network. Uh, tonight we have a great guest, uh, a good old friend, um, and uh, works with an organization I'm slightly familiar with. Um, his name is Sean Mahoney. Sean uh, has been around the space field for a long time. He's done a, a lot of different things. Um, well known in the field, and uh, you know, just a little background. Sean uh, went to Salisbury University. Picked up a bachelor's degree there in psychology and marketing, which is interesting. Um, And then uh, Emory University. Picked up an MBA in uh, business and leadership, which he demonstrates all the time. Uh, And then from there, uh, worked with the Commercial Space Flight Federation. uh, Joined the board of uh, Space Frontier Foundation. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, And then for several years, ran one of my favorite uh, new space companies at the time, Masten Space Systems. Most recently, Sean actually became the chair of Space Frontier Foundation, and we're going to lead off with a, with a conversation on that and uh, understanding what that organization does. Welcome, Sean. How are you, man? I'm
0: doing well, sir. Happy to be with you. Always a pleasure to hang out with you and uh, take inspiration.
1: Good. Well, I'm going to get some from you as our listeners today. <laughs> so look, Sean, um, we're, we're going to wander around. We have a great casual conversation on a lot of different topics, but let's start right now with uh, the Space Frontier Foundation. I, um, As the listeners, some of them know, I was one of the co-founders with Bob Werb and Jim Muncy of a gazillion years ago, back in the 20s, as we like to say. Um, but the organization has evolved as the field has evolved, as the industry has evolved, as society has evolved, society as well. There's very interesting points we can talk about there. Um, and you've come on to take the chair, take the helm, and help guide the organization as we go through this period of time into the future. But let's talk about the basics because I, I don't spend a lot of time promoting my own sort of background stuff here. So there may be people who don't know what Space Frontier Foundation is. So, Sean, I've just walked up to you, all right? Strangely on the street, I'm saying, wow, you're wearing a Space Frontier Foundation
0: shirt. What is that, Sean? Tell me about that organization. Well, well, thanks, Rick. Let me tell you about the Space Frontier Foundation. Do do that? At, at at its m- most basic element, it is an organization of individuals, who are working to advance the human settlement of space as rapidly as possible. And if that seems like it's a big long-term goal, it it certainly can be. Uh, It might happen sooner, but there is a group of individuals who are doing the work now that will make that bright future happen sooner. And that's the group that I... Have the pleasure to to serve now, uh, and I've benefited from. I still find out today areas that the foundation has influenced in before my time um, that makes the the future the what is today's space world was the future not that long ago, and uh, to all of the people of the the foundation from eras past uh thank you <laughs> and um yeah it's it's really important not only so advancing the human settlement of space that's an important one but it's also important in the getting work done now that is you know planting the seeds that are going to take a while to come to bloom uh and as a nonprofit in the space field we have the ability to, to think and act in a time frame that a lot of other organizations can't, they're not well suited to a, a, for-profit organization. If you're CEO of a company is spending all their time talking about 10 and 15 years out in the future and not getting the stuff done that needs to happen this quarter next year, um, That company's not going to survive. But for a nonprofit, that's where we can really play. And as much as possible, I'm taking my cue from you and and the others who have done just tremendous work, especially when it wasn't abundantly clear to a lot of people why you were doing the things that you were doing. Oh, well, I, I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a sl- long slog. Um, I, I will mention we started in 1988, um, and uh, there wasn't such a thing as new space, which members of the Space Frontier Foundation literally made up that word in the uh, early 2000s. Um, and it wasn't cool, because you had to be part of the government. You had to be, you know, an astronaut or something like that to even have the credibility of talking about space. So um, a lot of us grew up in that period. And, you know, we could talk at some point about the different battles we had and, you know, um, take the bow that we always liked to take for helping SpaceX and Blue Origin, um, which much to the chagrin of some other companies or whatever, you know, um, the aerospace industrial complex and all that stuff. But um, you've come in now and what I found fascinating or have found fascinating recently was the foundation is still fighting those fights. I mean, we were taking on the establishment at that point um, and uh, you know, mega aerospace. And um, now the foundation is fighting other battles. Indeed. As well as continuing carrying the flag for that. And I'd love to hear about that. What are, what are some of the, the initiatives that are being pushed out
0: by the foundation right now there one one of the things that the organization had done in over the last decade is hosting that new space conference and being seen as one of the foremost advocates for entrepreneurship in a space environment uh, and that has gone from the thing that was uh just a bunch of a small group of dreamers to a pretty large industry and that is having real impact on the industry and on the species so it gets it gets big fast but one of the things that happened in doing that is we were successful and so there were there were unmet needs that the foundation was able to serve now there are entire other industries that have grown up uh, programs that the foundation started that spun out that became their own thing and so it becomes a challenge now for the foundation to figure out how do we make sure that we are still serving those important needs, but instead of just doing the same thing, how do we make sure that we're picking the areas that need the most help and that we can actually have an impact towards that future of the human settlement of space? Uh, and so that's that's been the, the, the question we've been having that question for several years and we've tried a number of different things and we've had some things that have really resonated. And so now the question is, how do we, how do we take a good assessment of what we've got and leveraging a very generous donation that has really helped us have some, some space, uh, if you'll excuse the pun, to be able to think about it and to take our time and setting ourselves up to be a sustainable organization that can keep taking down these barriers uh, and moving that future closer to today. So um, that's a little bit about what we have been doing. Um, where does that that lead us? So I, I want to share with you and your listeners, before we get into the programs, the words that we use to guide our decision-making the space frontier foundation is an organization of people dedicated to opening the space frontier to human settlement as rapidly as possible. The goals include protecting the earth's fragile biosphere and creating a freer, more prosperous life for each generation by using the unlimited energy and material resource of space. Our purpose, unleash the power of free enterprise and lead a united humanity permanently into the solar system. And nothing like probably quoting some of your own words right back at you. But I I go to that because it's, it's, it's really important to understand that all of the benefits that flow from space are going to be tied to this power of free enterprise and if we want space to be more than a novelty we really need to to keep focus on that this is not this is not just a hey it's cool this is about expanding the territory that human beings get to to use to improve the human condition i have never seen a rocket launched with money on board i don't think we're we're shooting money uh into space uh we're we're spending money here on the planet and if we're doing it right we're protecting this biosphere and unlocking more of those benefits and that's the thing that gets me excited i mean i'll, I'll be honest with you uh, you know you read off some of my background none of that included aerospace engineering none of it included a stint at nasa uh, i i was like most normals <laughs> uh-huh. i thought space was cool and how i got into space was by chasing a thing that I have interest in and happened into the space industry. But what has given me is a slightly different perspective than some others. Uh, and that is realizing that this is, this is, it is cool. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but there is so much potential to really improve the human condition that we can get from space. So now what are we doing about it? Um, One of the things that I saw as an operator in the industry uh, was it is still somewhat of a closed industry. And there are more ways to get into it, but it can be difficult to kind of get into the space industry for those who are pursuing a career there. And while it is great to have people of similar interests be able to work on a thing they're passionate about, it's equally important to make sure that you're growing beyond just your typical, you know, pocket protector wearing lab coat scientist who wants to study space. And so the foundation has done a couple things and then kind of stood on top of the work that we've done. At Number one, I will tell you, the, the Space Frontier Foundation for me was home. It was the place where, as an entrepreneur in this field, I was amongst supportive peers. Uh-huh. We also, as an organization, set out years ago to say, there may have been practices that were common in another era, but we're not going to keep doing behaviors that have fallen out of uh, accepted practice so you know if you if you think space is all about like something out of madmen um it's not and we took actions and said you know what we're not we don't want people to get a bad taste from being involved and so we put it, things in place early on to say we're going to treat everyone well and if you can't treat people well, then we'll invite you to leave. <laughs> and for the most part, there weren't that. There are a couple of things here and there, but for the most part, people like that's great. And so now it's it, the industry is more comfortable and and open and appealing. Uh, there are a lot of people that don't feel like space companies and space culture necessarily speaks to them. And so one of the things the foundation did was put together a D and I uh toolkit to to help explain some of the the pieces to of how the org, how the industry can can definitely better serve and bring more people in.
1: Well, let's take a break. I want to come back and talk about that because that's the current relevant evolution of the revolution in a sense, right? So Hey, you're listening to iRock Space Radio. We're part of the iHeart Radio Network, and in particular, you are listening to the Space Revolution. My name is Rick Tomlinson. I'm here with the chair of the Space Frontier Foundation, Sean Mahoney, and we'll be right back. Hey there, Spacers. Welcome back. You are listening to the Space Revolution. My name is Rick Tomlinson. We are on iRock Space Radio, a part of the iHeart Radio Network. Our guest today is Sean Mahoney chair of the Space Frontier Foundation, we were starting to have a conversation about the relevance of the kind of work that the foundation is becoming or has been a leader on uh, today. Um, and that gets into sort of the the cultural, the inclusion type changes. Uh, Sean, you just used an acronym. How dare you? Mm, How man. dare you? Um, <laughs> it, it's not even a space acronym, which is kind of hilarious. D E I. Tell us what it is, and tell us why the foundation
0: is importantly, uh, most importantly, working on this area. Yeah. So th- this is diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, and it is the latest version of the progress that we're trying to make at a societal level. Um, and and this is this is the new new updated version and there's a lot to it but at its core this is about uh, making sure that you not only have diversity of viewpoints but that you have a system that is balanced so it is stable that's where the equity part comes in and the inclusion is it's not about uh, just you know getting people on the the photo shoot for the cover. It's about really making sure that you're bringing not just some people along, but you're bringing everybody along. And I know that there's there's some people that think, oh well, this is this is some sort of buzzwordy. Hey. Let me let me step past any of the um, culture war things that anyone might be thinking about it. And let's talk about what we're talking about in a real sense. Um, And from a capitalist standpoint, I will offer you a, a story of another industry that had a bunch of really dedicated individuals that were very excited about their craft. And as they grew in social influence and popularity and dollars, some of that growth allowed for some behaviors that were not actually going to be all that inclusive and so if you look at the tech industry and some of the challenge that that industry has had Mm -hmm. with diversity and inclusion and if you had a time machine if you work in the tech industry you had a time machine and could go back and, and tweak make some changes and set some things up better for the future one of the things you would probably do is try to make sure that you have a more inclusive workforce so that you're not having to to lose out on a whole lot of people and customers and partners and so to a certain degree i see the space industry as having having we, we have the benefit of seeing the challenges that the tech industry has had we share similar traits and we get to avoid, hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls that befell the tech industry. And so that's why I have personally invested so much in it, not in a, Hey, let's go around and do a press tour talking about how awesome and inclusive we are, but just in doing it. Uh, And what the foundation has been able to do recently is to, do, take action on some of these big ideas of, okay, well, how do we, we say it's important to get people working in space that aren't traditional space organizations or people. Great. Let's do it. And I don't mean just put out a press release. I mean, actually do it. And so uh, one of the, the programs that we've been working on right now has... Five different universities Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that span the globe working together on a photovoltaic technology. So it has application not only to our space future, but also to right here on Earth. And the universities that are part of this alliance are intentionally ones that would not be the f- the first two or three that are on your list of oh well th- that's where you go for aerospace or space research and it has not only provided a whole lot of great insight into the the research and technologies that they're doing but also is helping understand how organizations can work need to work together Uh, in order to do more of this sort of research and to make sure that we're getting more people involved in space. If if the industry doesn't draw in more people, we'll suffocate from a lack of oxygen and it will take much longer for us to reach that human settlement of space that we're working towards.
1: Yeah, so first of all, Short answer, why are photo- photovoltaics, who cares? What does that have to do with space?
0: Well, there is one really big power source. Mm-hmm. That's the sun. And anything we can do to capture and utilize that energy for all of us squishy humans, the better off we'll be. We use it to power our lights and then, you know, we can also power our cell phones and our rovers and everything else. So the better we can capture that sunlight and turn it into a resource that we get to use, the better off we're we're all going to be. So you're talking space, solar power? Both. Okay. Yeah. So in, in space applications, You've got a problem of uh, your local municipal power company does not provide uh, power outside. So there's a whole bunch of really interesting uh, things that you've got to balance when you're talking about working off of the planet. But there are also a tremendous number of applications of solar production and solar opportunities right here on the planet so the more efficient we can and there have been obviously phenomenal uh, upgrades in our ability to convert that power from the sun but the better we get yeah e- each improvement each panel that's producing more power than the one before it is one less lump of coal or got it gallon of oil or one less house that has to be uh, you know, cycled off of power or get a brown out. And so th- there are okay. a lot of benefits from getting much better so, in how so
1: you guys have, you have a program where you're taking space solar power and you're, you're looking at research on that and yep. then you're reaching out to not usual suspects to, to develop some research on that. So
0: what else, what else is the foundation doing? Well, We have uh, another, and I'm going to cross-promote here. Um, Turns out that there are some really phenomenal uh, people in podcasting, and we were able to, we had a, a program we called Lift Her Voice, which was providing some additional support to some women that were doing space podcasts um and so there were three of them in particular that the foundation was able to provide some financial support for them and in doing so able to help make sure that we're continuing to reach out to more and bigger audience so uh the new moon podcast uh, igniter ignited thinkers and mission eve were the three that we had provided support for and uh, to be clear these women are the ones doing the work they're the ones that are out there creating the content um but we wanted to see if we could help amplify make mm-hmm. things a little bit easier as they look to expand their audience okay so space solar power
1: empowering women generally being inclusive and pushing inclusive
0: concepts yeah uh, what else you got what do you got there sure well there's another piece of this uh, there and well we have several programs on the the outreach and the, and the under the DE and i umbrella there's other things that we need to be doing as well one of them being giving space a voice in D.C. on Capitol Hill and oh, yeah. with, with folks um, in Washington. And to be, you know, space is really awesome and we think it speaks for itself. But in that in that world, it's really important to say the things that are important to you. Because if you fail to show up and say something, then the, the the very busy people that are a lot of them are trying their best to provide guidance and to lead you know the various parts of our government, they won't even think about it. And so space can become a an afterthought. And so you know, one of the things that we do is a citizen outreach and advocacy, where, and as a matter of fact, I'm heading up in a couple days for the next round. Talk to people. And for the, if you've never taken the time to go visit your congressional office in DC, it's, it can be a little bit intimidating at first. And then you realize everyone up there is like packed in like sardines into the tiny office. And there's a lot of new people that, Every, every couple of years, there's a, a new batch of people that are coming in and they're trying to advise members of Congress on how best to, to weigh in on issues. And so it's a, it's a perpetual job of educating and letting folks know um, why space matters and how it matters and how it's not just about um, the slow motion video of a rocket engine firing that it's it's really about uh, some fundamental issues and all of that in service to moving us forward capturing more of that economic benefit for humanity so you guys
1: uh, you have this thing that you're gonna go do on the hill uh, what are a couple of the topics you guys are looking at covering this year
0: curious. I will attempt to not be too wonky, um, but first well, this, up, this, that's, let me let me stop you just for a second. <laughs> this is Wonk Central. I
1: don't, I don't expect people to know everything, but I can tell you there's a hunger to to learn these things. So we're not necessarily talking to people that are already in the industry or things like that. We are some of our audience is, but there are people out there who, like you and I were when we got started. They're excited. They love space. You know, they're like, oh my God, SpaceX, oh, Blue Origin, oh. They don't know what to do with that. They don't know where to go with it. They don't know how to express it. Um, so how do we, um, let's talk some more about some of the topics that you're yep. you're looking at working on, but also then maybe we can swing back and talk about how you take somebody from
0: being a fan to being an activist. Yeah. Uh, the, the three biggest things, and I, I will say them and then we can discuss them. Uh, one, it's extending the learning period, which is essentially going to give the industry time to figure out what it is that we need to build uh, before putting a whole lot of regulation on. Two, a fu- some funding for a space solar power project so that the u s does not fall further behind and uh, hang on hang on so i'm gonna, I'm just gonna break this down with you a
1: little bit yeah all right so um let's talk about that second one first yeah and who 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 are we falling behind in space solar power I mean well come on we're America man we are um okay
0: i I will first point you to Europe and the UK that are already funding projects for a government level in space-based solar power. And and there are other large countries. Maybe, maybe such as? Maybe such as China. Oh, yeah. That has an aggressive, yeah. Um, and this is... This is space-based solar power is one of those huge opportunities. Okay. That, and I'll be honest with you, when I first got involved in this, people were like, okay, steer clear because those people are some of the crazies. Um, they're not so crazy anymore. <laughs> Turns out it's a real thing. And, and the, the basic idea of space-based solar power is put your giant array up in space and capture the sun before it filters through the atmosphere and before it has to deal with clouds and a rotating earth and all the rest of it capture that power and send it down here to power things on the surface and you're going to say oh well wait that's a really long power cord and there's technical stuff it's microwaved and it's blah blah it's 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 cool it is not sci-fi it's real it's just a big engineering project more than anything else at this point okay well and first one, though. Go ahead. So, go ahead well it's important that the u.s
1: uh-huh.
0: have policies that are supporting development of this new source of of energy, I mean, if you think of it this way, um, if there was a a rush of people into a new a new form of energy, do you want to sit out and let another country figure it all out and then buy it from them, or would you rather have the independence to be a player in the game and producing things yourself? And so, while we could certainly say, hey let other countries go and do it. Um, this house space-based solar power develops is going to set the new world order <laughs> to a certain degree here in into the future. Um, and so it, I put it in a similar category to other future energy solutions. But if you're looking for an actual green you know, non-pollutive source of power you're looking at nuclear and you're looking at space-based solar because it's always on
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it can provide a tremendous tremendous amount of power and i know we want to talk more about it at some point we got to go back to like the dyson sphere and what this would look like in way way crazy future but for right now that that's one of the things that we're Introducing and making sure that we're talking about up on the hill. Um, and all right, we'll, we'll come back, we'll come back to the next okay. one. All right, hang on, I want to take a little break here. Um,
1: yeah, you are listening to iRock Space Radio, part of the iHeartRadio network. And I'm Rick Tomlinson, your host for the space revolution. Here with Sean Mahoney, we'll be right back in a minute. Hey there. Welcome back one more time to the Space Revolution. My name is Rick Tomlinson, and you're listening to iRock Space Radio, part of the iHeart Radio network. We are continuing our conversation with Sean Mahoney, who is the chair of the Space Frontier Foundation. We were discussing some of the topics that he, uh, or the Space Frontier Foundation and some of their allied organizations are working on um, in uh, on the halls of Congress here in the U.S., And, Sean, before you continue, I will say this, that we do have a lot of international listeners, and I want to be very, very clear that one of the things I know with Space Frontier and and most of the organizations is we encourage people in your own country to work on your governments. This isn't like, you know, um, USA Uber Alice or anything like that. This is, we believe in a united humanity opening the frontier, and so... What you're hearing Sean talk about in Washington is about the U.S., but maybe you live in Sri Lanka or or Japan or some other wonderful, beautiful country. Go walk the halls of your government as well. And with that, Sean, over to you. Let's go through the list. We did space solar power. We did regulatory for working with startup companies. What else we got?
0: Well, did you hear about that asteroid that, Landed out there in Texas near you uh, not too long ago? Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be a good idea if we had some way to kind of like pay attention to what's going on to know these things might happen? Oh, wait. We have such a program. Uh, there is a, a program um, called the Neo Surveyor which is a space telescope whose job it is if once it gets deployed is to look for those hazardous asteroids and one of the things that we're doing is asking that members of congress provide sufficient funding uh to get that program back on track and uh can get, can, can get some eyes up to make sure that we're finding out about some of these things before they, they hit the earth. Um, and so, you know, that one is a, that is a particular one that has a funding request attached to it. Um, but like the, the first one, that learning period extension where it's a policy request to say, Hey, give the industry the time it's a zero dollar request, right? It's it, it is forbearance on uh, putting things too many constraints in place while the industry is still growing. And then there are certainly other things that uh, were that the, the Space Frontier Foundation in partnership with the National Space Society and, and some other space organizations uh, are advocating for uh, there's a great balance there between things that are right now. Yeah. We want to make sure while other programs may have uh, constituents that will speak for them, we got to make sure that someone says, yeah, things like the space technology mission director, it is really important. Uh, the, the seed corn for all this great space stuff that we're doing. We want to make sure that that keeps getting funded. And, you know, some of these other, programs you want to make sure yep these are cool so um that those are this not just cool but like important and so that's that's what we're going to be doing and that's you know one of the several things that we do i will also say to, to your point earlier this is the this is the u.s version of this but we have members of the space frontier foundation all over the world and we get happy to be called upon to work anywhere, uh, where there's people that are interested in setting up those forward looking policies Mm -hmm. that will enable the sort of innovation, uh, that will unlock a bunch of that power. So, um, and and it's always a delicate dance, right? Uh, there's the immediate term of needing, you, you need money no bucks, no Buck Rogers, uh, as the saying goes. But it's it's more fundamental to have the the policy and the culture change that says, oh yeah, this is a this is a legitimate way to meet not only national priorities but also have capabilities that can be available commercially, um, and that revolution isn't over uh still got a long way to go but but rick uh, the other thing that we're, we're we need to make sure that we're doing so we've, we've got mm-hmm. immediate term things that we're working on the next piece of our future though really needs to be okay what are those those next gates those next steps that the industry and the species needs to achieve in order for that future of human space settlement and and if some people think oh well why the heck would you leave this is an awesome place this is the only place that has trees and grass and stuff and you know what you're absolutely right i'm not suggesting we need everyone to go settle space but what we're talking about is gaining so much value whether it's economic or otherwise that people want to go and, and I don't mean go for vacation. I mean, go and live because there is so much benefit to being there. And so, cool. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna we're going to get benefits to everyone along that path. What do those things look like? What are the opportunities and the challenges on that path? And any work that we can do, this is the what I refer to as the inevitability framework. Eventually, human beings will have settlement off of this planet. The difference is the benefits that accrue to humanity at that point, I want to pull as much of that to today as I can. And that's what we're doing. By accelerating, by making the future arrive sooner, we get the benefits of the future arriving sooner. So you and i have talked about this and, and many other people in the industry you know what are those things that are the steps along the way that will enable this this brighter future to come to pass and people tend to think in terms of science and technology but there are some really interesting and big challenges that have nothing to do with the technology, but have to do with the humanity of extending society beyond the planet. What do you mean by that? Well, that's a number of really interesting challenges. For example, what sort of self-governance model might exist as humans move into a new territory Hmm. if a new island pops up in the middle of the ocean right who gets to claim we have rules and things for that here and maybe some of those rules have had some problems and maybe we have lost some some people and some economic benefit because we have a tendency to fight to get to the future maybe we should do some things to figure out what's a good agreement on when does the colony on the moon become its own political entity. And again, there are, there are people that think about these things, and I'm not suggesting that we need a conference of everyone to solve this problem today, but we need to make sure that someone is paying attention to this and that we're laying the, the, those cornerstones now that will enable us to avoid some of these problems. You know, I only recently read, uh, the foundation, uh, books by, mm-hmm. by Asimov. And uh, I don't think there's much of a spoiler here cause I'm pretty sure it's in the first page or two. The idea of that foundation was to help humanity get through the dark ages uh huh, And I'm sure it's no coincidence that the space frontier foundation shares that the part of that name there and to help us get through this, this period until we can get to that brighter future. So, um, well, hang on. Okay. Yeah. Triggered. You're triggered. I know.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's not only not a coincidence, that's part of the reason we call ourselves the foundation and uh, Mr. Asimov knew it and liked it when we told him about it um, before he passed away many, many years ago. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at an organization here that is thinking far into the future is also looking to uh, facilitate the development of let's say space agendas that will allow us to achieve our goals is dealing with the human side in terms of inclusivity making sure that you know if we go we go the right way and we bring everybody along um and give everybody a chance to lead um so what do you think is the next step what do you what do you think is the next mm. uh we've got about three or four minutes in the segment yeah. left but what is What's the next big one? Where's the foundation or you personally or whatever? Where are you going to go now to grab the next thing? What is it?
0: What do you think? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what a couple of things I think it is because, in the spirit of inclusivity, um, I'm not just making this stuff up myself uh, and I'm mm-hmm. drawing people in to, to collect those inputs and make sure that we've got a pretty good idea and, and a map. Um, one of the things is making sure that there is a path to uh, in, in support of a commercial free enterprise system in the lunar space. And by that, I mean beyond just Earth orbit to that broader space that includes the moon. And it's not a thing that we're the only ones talking and thinking about but it is important that we bring attention to this cislunar space and how it is used now because um there's a bunch of companies that are on their plan on heading to the moon or on their way now and while it's not necessarily in the headlines as much it's going to be very soon and this is where um we need to, that's one of the things definitely to focus on. Uh, one of the areas for us to focus is also on the quality of space entrepreneurship. Um, and, and by that, I mean, um, we've, we've wrestled the locus of, you know, spiritual energy from, it has to be a giant national project to something that can be done by people with a garage. But we also need to make sure we run the risk if we don't check ourselves uh, of overpromising, underdelivering, under-delivering, and causing a real severe backlash on what the free market can provide. The free market does not mean free of any <laughs> criticism or critique. Uh, and it's important for us to make sure that we're continuing to improve the quality of the companies, um, that are, that are coming up and to make sure that rather than just focus on the starting of companies, we've got some attention to the, how the, the game is, is played. Um, there are yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of really interesting and and difficult questions, um, but those are a couple of the ones that I know we're we're talking about. um and and the framework is this: what needs to be done? What are those major milestones? Who else is doing them? Who else is working on these things? Um, where can we have? as an organization, either have the strengths or acquire the strengths to have the greatest impact. And instead of just saying, hey, this is the thing we think is important, we're going to go run and do it. We want to make sure that we're picking the things where we can, where there's the greatest need and we can have the greatest impact. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. Well, look, we're going to take a break, come back for our last section. And um, it's great. It's very cool. And and I think uh, there's a lot of great work the the, the foundation is doing nowadays
0: thanks don't don't go away come come right back it's a short break
1: (laughs) yeah like he said ah you're listening to iraq space radio my name is rick tumlinson part of the iheart radio network and we have sean mahoney the chair of the space frontier foundation we will be right back all right spacers welcome back i'm rick tumlinson I made you wait for that one. Uh, at Rocket Rec is my Twitter handle. This is the Space Revolution, and we're part of iRock Space Radio, part of the iHeart Radio network tonight, today, um, or if you're on Lunar Time next week. No, we don't know. Um, but uh, uh, we're talking to Sean Mahoney, uh, Chair of the Space Frontier Foundation. So, Sean, um, you've covered a lot of different stuff here. Um, so. I guess, I guess, you know, the, the question, I guess, I, I really, I think anybody out there listening has is, okay, this sounds great. You have a great organization. Um, well, uh, when's, when's the next event? How do people get involved? How can they, how can they hook up? How can they do something? Um, how do you, how do you join? How do you become a part
0: of Space Frontier Foundation? Well, then. There's events happening all the time. The next major event probably uh, is is going to be in the can uh, by the time some of your listeners are hearing this. But we'll be in D.C. beginning of March. Uh, so, yeah. but when it, uh, when's the next conference? Let's talk about it that way. Uh, uh, next conference, we've got two that we're incubating right now uh, for next. This this coming summer uh, and perhaps a another special collaboration in the, in the fall to follow. I don't want to get too far ahead of my skis, but I will say mm-hmm. one of the great things about space is it's really cool and people want to learn about it. Uh, and we're going to leverage that as we work with other industries and do some more some more mashups, some more collabs, if you will, uh, and get the space industry out talking and having a kind of uh, a joint meeting of the minds uh, with some other industries. So okay. stick around; that one's coming up soon. Okay, mm-hmm. okay I'm intrigued. Mm. Nothing like um,
1: So, what's the uh, what's the website address?
0: Space Frontier dot o r g space
1: Spacefrontier.org. space org. all right that's uh, nice. so really important questions now um which i like to ask towards the end of the show uh, i want you to visualize yourself you're flying in your case let's see you mentioned asteroids so you're in your own spaceship you're cruising around an asteroid like you're just whipping around it um so fast i mean several thousand kilometers um an hour you can actually see the motion you can feel it you're looking out the window port what music are you listening
0: to well it would seem like that'd be a great place for some pink floyd um
1: okay we just got married
0: okay (laughs) it would seem to fit especially if you know if i if getting to kind of chill and feel like i'm tuned in with the universe um, gotcha gotcha and um, so the next question would be
1: um, was there a particular book that you read that lit you up early on uh, in terms of wanting to get engaged in this field in the space field
0: I am ooh, I'm gonna answer that entirely different than what you think um, okay. The Science of Influence by Robert Cialdini is a phenomenal book that talked about how human beings respond to our fellow human beings. And that has nothing necessarily to do with space, but has everything to do with encouraging me to go and leave my first career at a big company and realizing that, that wizards do exist, and it's the people who know how to use this power for good. <laughs> uh, and, and, and those lessons about how human beings influence each other does absolutely carry over to the work that I get to do in space. Wow, that was uh, one of the more unusual answers, but I'm I... with it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all about people. It's not about technology. It's not about space yeah. itself. It's all about people in life. Um, favorite movie? Braveheart. <laughs> favorite space movie? You can say Braveheart again, I guess. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I think the the Martian. Martian, got it. Okay. Growing some potatoes on Mars. Yeah. Um, And then, um, and by the way, you know, Andrew, uh, what's, uh, Weir? Yeah. Andy Weir. Uh, We had him. We gave him an
0: award. Yes, we did. uh, Space Frontier Foundation many, many years ago. Uh, Sat right next to him, talked to him, and then uh, the Kerbal guys, I think was the same, the same year. So, um, yeah. Kerbal Space,
1: we heavily recommend them. Um, Great. And, so let me let me ask you this: you're, you're, we've got this great future we're talking about and all of that. But, right? hey, what would you tell somebody uh, in school right now or uh, out there in the world wanting to change careers like you did um, and get involved? What should they do?
0: Avoid the hedonic treadmill. <laughs> all right. So that, that was a little bit overdone. Uh, Um, one of the things that allowed me the flexibility to do some, take some risks is in my, in my earlier life, I had bought a car and bought a house and then I was like shopping for the next car and thinking about the next house. And I realized I don't need another car or another house. And it kind of helps me reorient. Um, so while, you know, I served as CEO of a space company, um, lived in a house with one car. Um, I don't, I don't need a whole lot of the accoutrement to feel like I'm keeping up with the Joneses. And so by, by avoiding feeling like you have to compete on stuff, uh, you can really buy yourself the flexibility to go do a lot of really cool things. So that would be, that would be one of the pieces um
1: mm-hmm.
0: earlier on you you really need to try stuff out, be willing to be wrong mm-hmm. learn ask people if you've actually learned the right lesson when you think you've learned a lesson um there's there's an awful lot that sh- that comes from just putting yourself out there and and trying stuff um and there's an awful lot that can come from asking nicely
1: mm-hmm. Um. cool and um, and obviously go hang out with Space Frontier Foundation absolutely hook up uh, try and work there with the organization was that a, was that
0: was that a set that I was supposed to say oh we'll volunteer with the Space Frontier Foundation it's the best
1: no and no, the- no I, we had only <laughs> done that I just uh, you uh, I love what your approach here is because you're doing general life lessons yeah Sorry, <laughs> no, no. I actually do like that uh, because it does apply no matter what cause you're going to. If you're going to get into yeah. space, great. If you're going to work on climate change, great. If you're going to, you know, start your own company, great. Everything you just said applies across the board, and that's um, general wisdom. And and uh, I think sometimes we don't spend enough time on that. Um, you know, so I, I think that's absolutely fabulous. Um, in terms of how do you think we're doing, and and where we're going next? What excites you right now mm. in terms of space? Yeah, and thanks the, for clarifying your answer. Yeah, I just want to clarify that because I don't want you to say, "Well, I did get a new yeah. car." <laughs> uh, but uh, no, seriously, uh, in terms of space and where where do you think where? How do you think we should go? So you know,
0: so big picture, give it to me. S- some of the things that I think are really exciting is the realization that space is not about the technology. It's not about the features. It's about the benefits. And I, More and more, I'm I'm hearing people talk about not how many gigawatts or Ghibli bits or blah, blah, blah. The, The technology is really cool. But instead, talking about what can that do for someone else? What problem are you actually serving? And I am really excited about it. I love the fact that I've seen more space companies talk about Customer discovery and understanding what is an actual pain uh, and then the application of the technology and the innovation to those problems. And I know I may have just taken your question about a cool space thing and turned it back into a a business, a a human framework. But that is the exciting thing because... (laughs) The flip side is, what do I think one of the biggest problems is? And that is, there is an echo chamber around space. And because it is so exceptional, we have a tendency to want to be in our own world. And we can't, we, the industry cannot survive and grow if all we're doing is selling space to each other. Mm. Yes, preachers and choirs. Yeah, if you got a town full of barbers, that's great. You can just spend all day giving each other haircuts. But I like that. until you're exporting something out of that town, you got nothing. So, got nothing. so you, um, the idea is to get the word out, to yeah. get the vision out. Yeah, go, go ahead, and to translate. And this is one of those things, this, this phenomenal, when you say the word space, it automatically triggers in, in people. And I would love to see it light up on a fMRI or something, but it, it, it triggers some parts of the brain that thinks big, but also thinks far away. And so like one of the challenges that I'm, personally dealing with right now is trying to figure out how to talk about the benefits of space without saying the word space because who cares right but the fact that we have rockets that land no payload cares what happens to the rocket after it's launched after your satellite your payload your thing is off doing it i don't care If you land or not, what I care about is the service that you provide and the cost. I care about those things, but I don't care about landing a rocket as a, as the payload because I've already gotten what I need. And if the industry keeps talking about how cool it is to land a rocket, yes, it's very cool. Don't get me wrong. Really freaking cool. But that's the sort of thing where we, we, we focus on. What is the benefit that we in the industry can pluck from this tree and provide to someone else and do it in a way that doesn't get sucked into a, we do these things because they are hard. Like, get get out of that exceptionalism thing and just translate what we're doing in space into something that matters to someone.
1: Great. And I will clarify because I know you, totally understand we have to have reusable rocket yeah. ships so that we can open the frontier. The point you're making is different in that what you're saying is that's exciting stuff to us because we understand what it means. Yep. But what is really important for society, what really matters to the world is what that space, that that rocket ship, because you use ships over and over again, yeah. uh, that rocket ship has put in space and what it
0: does to affect humanity. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what matters when you people talk about Amazon, what is it that they talk about? They say, oh, my God, I get my thing in a day and a half and it shows up right on my door. Do you know what they don't say? Oh, my God, I'm so excited about the back end logistics and the automated warehouse and all of the great technology that goes into it. That's not what I mean. There are some geeks that might talk about it. But what matters to you as the person buying the stuff? It shows up. The same thing. We need to talk about the benefits Uh that we're providing to our, the people that are buying from us. We need to make their lives better by using this stuff and the stuff that we're using just happens to be space. Perfect.
1: So I'm going to quit obsessing about the kind of van that pulls up in front (laughs) of me. You know, is it a Ford? Is it electric? I don't care. Just give me the package, and I am humanity, just as you are. Hey, Sean, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Had a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Uh, For folks out there wanting to get involved, it's spacefrontier.org. Go check it out. Get involved. Make something happen. The future is what you make it. And, well, what we're going to make right now, we're going to make our way out the airlock. See you later.
0: You've been listening to the Space Revolution Podcast with Rick Tumlinson, a production of IROC Space Radio. Go to iroccspaceradio.com for more.